Welcome to your Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. So, um, we, we've been talking about recently how straight people... Oh, I'm sorry. Brent's going to... Yeah. Right. Oh, that's right. So, Alan, keep all of this in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so we uh oh that's right so we've been trying to we, we've been reminding everyone to join our patreon there was actually a really fantastic episode recently where i recounted a terrifying story uh that happened to me in syracuse new york so yeah just a reminder as always guys join our patreon patreon.com slash you're making it worse but my tales of ozempic today weren't interesting enough to plot oh i'm sorry that's right interesting. <laughs> Elliot. Well, I thought I thought the story about me maybe dying would be the most uh, interesting, compelling. But Ozempic is very neck. fascinating too. I could put Ozempic in my neck and die. <laughs> You're good. That's true. All right, Elliot, go ahead with the show. Okay, so we talked um, in the past about how poppers have gone mainstream. Um, yeah. I remember a New York Times article about that, and then like uh, there was that moment too where Charlie XCX had a concert, and I think somebody brought their douche or poppers or something and she oh uh-huh. she signed their pop I, I don't know anyway yeah. poppers is gone <laughs> poppers is gone mainstream and now we are so far we have jumped so far over the shark with poppers that the fda had to release a statement because <laughs> people are drinking poppers uh, accidentally thinking, accidentally drinking poppers thinking that they're um, energy shots so uh <laughs> poppers are sold under brand names like famously jungle juice um, then other ones which I have not heard of: Extreme Formula, Hardware, Quicksilver, Super Rush. Actually, Super Rush is the most famous one, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, Super Rush <laughs> Nail Polish Remover and Premium Iron Horse. Um, obviously, the poppers are a like sex drug for a lot of gay guys, but yeah, they've become super mainstream. Um, even though they are sold as nail polish removers or solvents or. Uh, liquid incense or famously VHS head cleaners, um, right, which is why right. young Brent thought they were <laughs> thought they were illegal. And then somebody explained that you could just buy them in a bodega and you were very confused. As was right. <laughs> but people are now confusing them for the very like recognizable five hour energy shots. Yeah, they are. They do look very similar. They do. They, they, they really do. And five but, hour five hour energy is a Michigan based company. But continue. Is it really? It is. Would you drink, would you drink though? Uh, like, uh, I mean, that's the thing, right? I, I can't understand the mistake of drinking something that the, where the label is clear, is clearly, cle- clearly not a five hour energy. Yeah. Right. And the F, I mean, and it's not like it happened a little bit. Like the FDA literally went on Instagram and had to write, quote, a single mistake can prove fatal. We continue to receive reports, <clears throat> excuse me, of people dying or being severely injured. After consuming poppers That's scary. that resemble enough That's mistake scary. popular energy shots, drinking or inhaling poppers seriously jeopardizes your health. I I was it's it's interesting. Um, because you you would think they would catch it fast too, right? So like sure. you would you would think you would I was at an office um recently and I got a coffee and I took a sip and it tasted bad, and then Later on, someone came up to me. They're like, "Oh, that was uh, there was like, uh, coffee like machine cleaner in that." Oh my god! In the in 
like whatever they use to clean the coffee machine and get lime off of it or something. And I freaked out for a while and then someone did the research and it was fine. Yeah. Um, but like if you're, if they use it to clean it, that it probably wouldn't be lethal because you drink. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Oh. That was of course the silver lining, but I caught it quickly. So it's sort of strange to think that someone could, I mean, maybe it's maybe even just a tiny sip could kill you, but I, I would imagine if it's, if a tiny sip can kill you, it shouldn't, we shouldn't be sniffing it, you know? Yeah. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be readily available anywhere. But it also probably like, I mean, if you're consuming the full amount and if someone has like a weak heart or something, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking of all the, I just think it's just like, it's kind of like not cool anymore to do poppers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Become, I do know what you mean. It's become so uh, ever present in queer life that part of me is just like, if you throw out a poppers joke or if you like bring out poppers at a party or you do a poppers thing, I'm just like, it's the equivalent of a fart joke at this point. Yeah, I know. I not know. Cool. It's just not cool anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I still find it weird. Just like in, it reminds me of that scene in Airplane uh, where that guy, like that crazy guy just keeps like doing more and more drugs. And at the end, he's like oh. sniffing glue. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like I see these videos on like OnlyFans of guys who are like, sniffing their poppers and their eyes are like bloodshot and their face Wait, is really? red and sweating. That's on OnlyFans? Uh, I mean, every once in a while you'll see a video where someone is clearly sniffing poppers and then it's just like, to me, the biggest turnoff. Well, there's, also, there's also a thing, um, oh God, I'm Googling it right now, where people will, is a term for it, uh, where they'll do poppers and they'll like jerk off or something and they'll make yeah crazy face they'll make like a like Ooh. a ridiculously animated ridiculous orgasm Jesus. it starts with something with a g i forget what it's called but it is oh sort of God. it's like a you know like like someone will be jerking off like normal and they'll be doing poppers but then all of a sudden they do this like big eyes thing and like oh my god like it's just like <laughs> is it like a meme face or is it is, do they no, authentically it's, do it it's like it's like it's i oh i don't know i don't think it's authentic I actually don't think it's authentic. Oh, so it's like put on. I think it's put on, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is authentic, but like yeah. they do it as sort of like, a, oh my God, it's so good. You can't control, you can't, you can't keep cool. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. So like, like straight guys in gay porn, they're always like, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like that. My ass. Yeah, really. Literally. <laughs> uh, I literally do an impression of like straight guys fucking in gay porn. It's just them going, ah. Oh. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm like, I'm so done. I'm so done with the Sean Cody. I never thought I would say this, but I'm done. I'm done with the Sean Cody's. I'm only an OnlyFans guy now. Really? Fully? One hundred one hundred percent? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I'm still, I'll, I'll join whatever, but <laughs> I don't know. Why? I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find out what it's called. But it's like I, I only recognized it because a friend of mine on my drag account, my Twitter account, like that I mm. follow. Who he does like OnlyFans and stuff. He, it's he does. That's his thing. Is that like yeah? It's like crazy face while all of oh, them. Wow. Mainly yeah. Do you do you think like, I mean, this is we're veering off here, but like when you say you're turned off by the straight guys doing gay porn, uh -huh. I've I've always found it such a turn off. It's so clearly fake. So, like in, in I mean, this is the perplex. This is like the question of the the century, basically. But like. So if they're not enjoying themselves, yeah. but they're not in it to make tons and they're they're not about to make like life changing money and they're doing something that's so incredibly vulnerable that will follow them forever. Yeah. What possibly could be the the point I, I of think getting this all the time fucked in the ass if you're not no. like 
that's very, it's just such an invasive act. And I can't imagine why you'd be like, yeah, I'm not into this, but I'm going to fake being into it. And I'm going to maybe take Viagra or whatever. to. to like I would step back. Scene. I would step back because it is, I would say that there is a level of privilege to say the money is not great because for a lot of people who do that, who do porn, and that's how a lot of these studios and people who work in porn often target these, these certain populations who get thrown like a $5,000 for like a weekend shoot or whatever price tag. And to them, that is a lot of money. And it is well, it's a good amount of money. Uh, but like, and I get that it's temporary and stuff, but the money I would say for a certain population of people is a huge draw and it makes them vulnerable. Okay, so wait, but wait. Uh, so that's a perfectly fair point. I will object as soon, as I've said many times to our listeners of this podcast, I've read a lot of blogs in my life about gay porn. And I can tell you that generally from what I've read, $5,000 is pretty high. It is high. Uh, yeah, it's high. Yeah. Yeah. But even, and, but I get, I get the point, but there's still an object. There's an objectivity to it, which is to say, yes. Um, Yes, of course, three thousand. I mean, look, you know me, Alan. I'll take I'll take three thousand dollars from anyone yeah. who wants to give it to me. I'm 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 not I'm not Elliot Laser. You know, I don't throw my money around. But that said, there's still objectively, it's like that is still just four months' rent. You know, that isn't, and and I think Elliot is proposing like this is something that can follow you for the rest of your life. But I that's don't. What I, that that is what I, I mean. I don't. That is necessarily the concern because they're not thinking about. And again, this goes back to a socioeconomic way in which we we push people into a certain class. Oftentimes, that that type of person doesn't think, "Well, I'm not going to get out of this. I'm not going to get out of this realm of of middle class or lower class. So it's not going to matter to me. It's not going to matter for the career that I want to do or have." Whereas we're thinking of you know, writing books and writing on shows and right, things right. we do in our past follow us. When so, I run for Senate. <laughs> most people, they're not necessarily thinking that because there are ways in which they can hide it. So if they're going to get a job at, let's say, like a dentist office as like a, an assistant or something, the dentist office isn't going to be Googling whatever porn name they have. And sure, right. it, it might come up and it might hurt them in the long run in little moments, but for the most part, the jobs they're doing, they're not necessarily even going to be impacted by the work that they've done. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess forget, then if I take the money out of it, I guess I'm just like, if they're not actually enjoying it, why put themselves through so many hoops? Why jump through so many hoops to do that instead of something else, I guess? They're going to make yeah. more money doing that than they would be if they are of the body that can aesthetically have yeah. a porn career, that male actor is going to make more money in queer porn than they ever will in straight porn, ever. That much more, I guess. That much more, and will work longer, mm. probably, because of that. And right. so that, for a force, and that's why I go back, it goes back to money and socioeconomic status. For, for a certain class of people who are vulnerable to being persuaded in that direction, I feel like that is a very, very appealing part of it. Yeah, yeah. The irony yeah. is that it's like, I mean, the irony is that for me, I'm the moment I could tell that somebody's like straight and just faking it. I'm just like, yeah, it's not literally the, num the number of guys I've followed or read about on gay porn blogs who make gay porn 
to buy a motorcycle that they then that they then crash is like there's like <laughs> oh my hundreds. God. It's happened oh hundreds my God. of times. I see a straight guy in gay porn and I'm like, good for you, girl. I, yeah, I, mean, I would I would be on board with that if I once again if I didn't if I if it wasn't so easy to find them on social media and find out they're all like fucking deep red Trump heads. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, in a weird kind of way, it's also kind of hot. <laughs> Not even joking. We are here today with writer, horror aficionado, expert person thing i don't even know you could can that be your official title it's going to be sure uncle hello and welcome hi thanks you for could having be me an expert you could be a horror expert right you would officially be that i think i there's not many things that i could be an expert on and that is probably one of them <laughs> <laughs> how are you we were just we were just ribbing you on how um because so often people come as guests and they don't do podcasts and stuff so they don't have the mic and all of the things you came prepared yeah. you even got a pop go. filter I am ready. This is the third podcast I've done today. Oh, oh here, here we go. Oh, um, yeah. Right. Glad we're just like, we're <laughs> one off the notch, I guess. We're not special. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why well, such, the, a, was such a busy day? I'm jealous. Well, one was my own, and then the other was another horror podcast. So I'm really, I, I assume I don't have to talk about horror here, but I'm happy to. Oh, you're probably. But I, you're probably. <laughs> But how are you doing? How are you surviving the WGA strike? Oh boy. I mean, I'm out in these streets like everybody is. Um, today I woke up to found to find that the DGA made a deal mm -hmm. with the companies, which is not great. Um, so I'm kind of like up and down. I I there are some explain that because so many people don't know much about <sighs> what does the deal mean for people listening? So the WGA is the Writers Guild of America. We're on strike with the AMPTP, which stands for Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. And um, every three years, along with the DGA, which is the Directors Guild, and SAG, which is the actors, we have to renegotiate our contract with all the major studios uh, by negotiating with this particular group of representatives from all the studios, which now includes people like Netflix, Apple, yeah. and Amazon. And um, this year, the, the writers went first because they do the they do the negotiations all in a row with the, the unions. Um, we didn't get anything that we were asking for, so we went on strike. And so we just finished week five of the strike. Is that right, Elliot? Yeah, it's week or I think week four. No, you're right, week five. But it's not just at this point. It's like it's beyond not getting what we asked for. Like what we asked for is usually, um, as always, like a, an increase in in payment and price and stuff like that. But this year it's much more existential and it's about yeah. the threat of ai it's about the the just humanity of respecting writers and like the hours that they work and the amount of work mm -hmm. they do not for free um and for residuals and stuff too residuals yeah. And, yeah and streaming and there's no there's so little residuals in streaming so there's all these different pieces at play that are actually yeah. not just about the job it's about the the it's about the the work of writing itself it's about the industry itself yeah, the and it really is about yes and but mostly about like labor versus greed and how these executives uh and these studios at, at these studios and networks are so incredibly greedy as they've seen their profits balloon and they've seen the uh, writers uh jobs and the money that they make lessen or be uh, de devalued um whether it's in time or money Nick, i mean 
these executives and these streaming platforms made money during they sure the did yeah and they're allowed they're allowed to say that they didn't right because yes. in terms of like made up wall street money and their valuations those are you know those go up and down and are are what they are but that's Not made money. up money yeah. in actual literal money they've done quite they've well. made tons yeah yeah i just heard the warner brothers discovery guy got like david zaslov yeah, yeah he got like 300 billion dollars over the past like five years at his job because yeah. of stuff and everything la times just reported that and it's wild. he also got a huge bonus for cutting warner brothers budget by like three million or three billion rather so mm-hmm. like he got a bonus for gutting their um overhead costs so imagine that like he he went in there and just like laid off tons and tons of people yeah. and in in exchange for that got rewarded for like gutting his own company that is wild and all i ever want is like an extra like five thousand like if someone just yeah. gave me five thousand dollars i'd be happy i know i'd be like i can retire yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing like you know we we get we say the companies or the producers really the people you're mad at are the ones at the very top because yes. the rank and file producers and executives at warner brothers are not our enemy those people are getting laid off left and right and yeah. again they don't have to be because right. these companies are wealthy it's all about made up wall street valuations which are meaningless and it fiction. really is about the greed at the top it literally is about it's a, that's why the, the the conversation is so universal in that it is about uh, labor versus excess greed as it is in capitalism and in every under other industry it just happens to be that right now the writers guild strike is really mirroring that sentiment in a very understandable way with a product that a lot of people consume i just feel like it's, it's hard for a lot of people to understand it because i feel like a lot like, yeah i'll talk to my mom about it and she's just like I guess they want money. I mean, like she literally like, <laughs> no, yeah, well, yeah. people, you know, America has a certain idea of California and Hollywood within California. And so their imagination is either like everyone is a multimillionaire Bob Evans producer or a movie star, or they think that you're a starving actor who's waiting tables yeah. and they can't imagine the truth, which is that and most people yeah. are, are middle class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's wild. It's well, you are, I mean, you're obviously a writer and you've written on a number of shows. So Mm -hmm. outside of the picketing and everything, I mean, what like what are you doing? Like, how are you sort of like getting by? Well, I mean, that's a big question. If you're talking about money, I'm not. I'm like having existential crises every day watching my savings uh, disappear. Um, But I um, wrote on a TV show last year called Dead Boy Detectives, which was going to be an HBO Max show. It will now be a Netflix show because Warner Brothers suddenly was like, actually, we can't market this. Is that okay? And so Warner Warner Brothers like sold it to Netflix. So now it will be a Netflix show that'll come out in the fall. I wrote, I've written a couple of movies that are in various points in development or production. And right now, honestly, I'm trying to write um, a middle grade novel, like sort Ooh. of spooky throwback R.L. Stein kind of novel. Cause I'm honestly trying to think of a way out, like a 10 year plan where by 50, I'm living in a cottage in the woods and writing kids' names under a pen name. Like, that's my oh, vision for yeah. the future. You know, I, I find it like sometimes you just have to pursue what is inspiring you that moment and or that day. And like sometimes like random things. I mean, these guys know I, I created a board game for a friend's birthday and I ended up shooting wow. a pilot for uh, a project that I created from that. So like it was just like sometimes you just gotta like roll with writing a children's novel and who knows maybe it'll be the next fucking jk rowling's my, my career is the anti-trans <laughs> yeah. career has been that i mean out of like 
I remember you yeah, being, absolutely. being so frustrated by like stand up and and then working in some TV stuff and then just being like, I hate all of these people and I hate yeah. working with so many people and everyone's a fucking loser. And so yeah. I was so eager to like find a way to like carve my own niche in entertainment <clears> slash <throat> me. And even with stand up and going into drag and stuff, it's just like fuck all of this and fuck the rules because the rules don't matter anymore nothing is what it used to be so why should we do yeah. that way yeah i mean i'm not a very ambitious person to my detriment <laughs> most likely and everything that has happened to me has been completely by accident because i was just pursuing one line of interest and i wound up somewhere i did not yeah. intend to write for television i was in new york trying to be a playwright i worked in advertising during the day and this just happened to me, which is, uh, I know how that sounds because there's so many people who would like to write for television and are yeah. trying so hard, but truly it was a total accident. For it me. really is. It's all happenstance and yeah. no, of course, but also like the circles you're in, which is why I've always said this between the three, like us, our friendship over the past, oh God, almost 20 years, I guess, that like literally if you keep the company in which you respect the people you're with if you admire their work and you create that little pod of people in your world that you're loving their work and they're loving your work and you're supporting each other eventually it all fucking works out and one thing will lead to another because of something it's just it's always a thing and so you create yeah. a community that you want yeah. to see and you want to be in yeah it's as, uh, I, I, as I couldn't the... agree. I couldn't agree more. Even though we can't pay Elliot to stop doodling during the podcast recording this week and make eye contact with us, <laughs> I doodle. I, I'm fully listening and invested. I just happen to doodle while I'm listening. Hey. Oh, bitch! You look at your thing. You look at your thing. I think of the three of us. I am probably more of the horror. Mm -hmm. I'm the more of the spooky. Oh, I'm into horror. I'm into horror. Are you? Are you? Absolutely. Okay. 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 I guess we aren't really friends. I don't know this person. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. No, I love horror and you host a fantastic podcast called Bloodhouse Pod. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, what is it about sort of like art house? Because you specifically love art house horror, which I'm guessing is like the girl in the lane and shit like you know like like yeah, yeah. horror right i mean in truth i love all horror movies kind of broadly um but when my friend drusilla and i were looking to start a podcast we had to you know there were already queer podcasts for horror out there there we were like what angle hasn't been taken so i come from like a trashy cult movie and horror movie and exploitation background drusilla comes from godard sort of bergman kind of art house background and we both found ourselves in the same place which is like loving these more obscure sort of arty farty movies because you know i've been watching this genre my whole life and you can only watch i think friday the 13th so many times so many before times, you're like right what else is there like let me yeah. dig a little deeper so yeah, now I now my favorites are like either more obscure stuff from the 70s. I loved the A24 era of the 2010s, which I think yeah. is kind of over. Um, and also in the horror fandom, there was this resentment towards the term elevated horror yeah. and the idea that, you oh, know, horror can be... Exactly. And so <laughs> we kind of wanted to stand up for these movies, which people have started to I have So Wait, let me let me throw this out real quick. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, Alan. No, you're fine. I discovered a deep cut horror movie last year. I told mm -hmm. you about it. I told you about it, Alan, towards the end of Halloween, but I don't know if you got a chance to see it. It's called, called Aterados. 
Oh yeah, which translates to terrified. It's an Argentinian. It's an Argentine. 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 The Argentina. They make amazing horror films and thrillers. I don't this, know this movie. This movie. I watched it on YouTube. It was. I think. I. It was like a regular. I mean, it's well produced. It's like an hour and a half. It's like a, a motion picture. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it was. It has a storyline. It. The movie itself was great, but not perfect. But there's one storyline that is so creepy and so well executed. I don't want to give it away, but I remember watching it as I was kind of like drifting off to sleep and I was about to fall asleep when all of a sudden- Oh my God. You turn this corner and this this storyline is happening. And I remember being like, oh, like alone in my apartment. I said, oh. Yeah, and I yeah. sat up and watched the rest, like the, the, oh. the last. Wait, why were you watching a horror movie to fall asleep to? Well, that's just what I want. That's, <laughs> that's what, what I do. Horror I movies are my comfort. Do. If I've had a stressful day, I come home, I make a pot of tea, and I sit down and watch some horror movie from the seventies. Oh. Like that is re- relaxing to me. Well, so I want to know because I've always thought, I've always thought that like there are two communities that will make you feel so inferior, so stupid, so dumb, <laughs> and that 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 just like they love doing that to people and it's people who are really into sports people who are really into like deep cut horror films like i love film in general i'm a big i I just went to the academy museum yesterday and i love oh i'm a big i'm a big 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 film person she's fancy but i i am i paid the money i could pay for it um but (laughs) i i one of the things that like blows me away when i'm in sort of horror circles i remember like a on the anniversary of silence of the lambs which i love Mm-hmm. I was talking to like some horror friends and I was doing a story for it um, for a magazine and I was talking to all these people and I never felt more dumb about my knowledge of horror because I just love the mainstream horror films, the classics, yeah. the wonderful ones, you know, the Hitchcock. Like I love all of those that mm-hmm. you really get into it. People, the people who like like you who love deep cut horror, like. Uh, you almost don't even won't even see Silence of the Lambs, right? Like, I mean, that, <laughs> no, that, I see everything. For you? Yeah. No, no, no. I see every horror movie opening night if I can, um, because it's my job, frankly. Yeah. But but I also love it. And, and I don't think I'm a snob. I mean, part of the part of fun of our podcast is that we're both we try to be unpretentious. I think we're both funny people. Um, you know, we're both very entrenched in this, but I, I don't know. It's such a um, maligned and misunderstood genre that I, I find it hard to be snobby about it. Uh, yeah. Um, and if I am snobby, it's a little bit as a reaction to the rest of the fandom because they act, there actually is like a pretty deep anti-intellectual streak within the horror mm-hmm. world yeah. where people will defend you know, Ghoulies 3 with their life and then be like, Hereditary is the most boring fucking movie yeah. I've ever seen. And it's like, shut up. Hereditary is not boring. So that's what I wanted to ask you about. So like, I, I'm i a big Oscars person and I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I love the direction the Oscars are going in terms of being more inclusive and the voting patterns and they're, they're getting lots of different types of movies into the mix of nominations. It isn't great yet, but it's getting there. And uh, there are two nominations for horror films in the last uh, five years that the people didn't get nominated, but there was talk yeah. about getting nominated, and it pisses me off. I'm still so fucking angry that they didn't get nominated. One of them is Tony Collette for Hereditary, and the other one is Lupita. Yes, from Us. And yep. oh, I did not like Us. Oh, I, oh, I love that. Movie. I thought her performance was literally one of the best performances by an actress in the last 10 years of cinema wow you know i agree do you know what i weirdly spent thanksgiving with lapita nyong'o once oh wow <laughs> because 
my friend in Brooklyn, this is when I still lived in Brooklyn, so it must have been like 2016. Um, my friend went to Yale with her for oh, drama. Uh, Wait, who's your friend? Uh, her name is Margot oh, Bordelon. She's I went a director. To a, I went to a friend who also went to Yale with her to Israel, but it was a guy. Oh, uh, really? So Lupita, I guess, didn't have anywhere to spend Thanksgiving. And she's already famous. Like she'd already done 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. So she and not just her, but her entire family, including her super hot brother, oh. um, came to this Thanksgiving. where they, Wait, were... they couldn't just spend Thanksgiving with themselves? Isn't that what you do? I guess they with could, with but they're, I mean, they're Africans. So, like, what do they care about Thanksgiving? Maybe oh, I don't know. Yeah, That's Brent. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I do. I do want to ask what are so. For the folks who do enjoy the genre but don't know the deep cuts, what are your A-list deep cuts for for people? Yeah. So I really love the 70s, not just for horror, but I think it's arguably the best film decade there is. I would agree. Um, There's um, a movie called Let's Scare Jessica to Death that I really love Hmm. from the 70s, which is like a quiet, it was almost called It Drinks Hippie Blood. (laughs) (laughs) but it's like about some hippies who buy a farm in upstate new york and there's somebody already living in the house Mm. and it's like they think it's like this hippie squatter girl but she's something else so it's like very slow moving and it's got really weird 70s guitar and psychotic flute music now let let me interrupt you real quick and i I want you to remember because but you you brought something up that was going to come up next which is i find horror movies from the 70s and 80s to be very very slow and hard to watch because Yeah, because they, it's such a slow burn that um, that you're just like, Jesus Christ. I mean, I got to see someone fucking die, you know, yeah. like, like, let's make this fun. You know, I don't I just don't feel that way. I and I, I say this all the time. I like a boring movie, not just like a horror movie, but like I could watch Tar like it is a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I just like Tar. Tar. I hated Tar. Tar. I love Tar so much. I, I love it. a bad movie. This, I love a this bad, Like a, a movie that like, you can't like, you can't say, oh my God, it's such a good movie. But you you say it's so good, it's bad. You ha- you're going to love it. Like, I love that yeah. kind of movie. You know? And I, like, I think with horror movies, sometimes those movies are really boring. And then the last 20 minutes or something are like the yeah. scariest shit yeah. you've ever. So you kind of feel like you earn it a little bit. Yeah. I think Halloween is a bit like that, the original Halloween um, because most of the time you're just walking around Pasadena with these three teenage girls who are talking about school <laughs> right. and boys. Yeah. And then right. the 20 la- the last 20 minutes pop off. So mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too. It's kind right, of like so testing you. I cut I think great answer. I cut you off. Sorry. So well no, what, what, another it. deep cut or two. Um another one um that's really good from the 70s is called Messiah of Evil. Um oh my god. Was... What? Wait. Sorry, that just I think I just heard somebody talking about that. Oh, weird. To like today? Oh my god. I don't know. I'm sorry, Josh. I, I, let me think no, about okay. that, but I might be wrong. It just got discovered in the past couple of years because it was kind of a lost movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like public domain and there were really ugly transfers of it that were bootleg and then somebody bought it and restored it. And so like in oh. the horror fandom, it's become quite a thing because it actually has really beautiful production design by like the person who did David Lynch's movies and huh. like all of this really strange pedigree behind it. And it's um, really beautiful and cool. Yeah. Um, what else? One of my favorite things has been like, I, I do. So I like watching, you know, like I said, horror movies. Um, I am dumb. And so mm-hmm. uh, I find that I miss <laughs> I miss a lot of symbolism and shit. Uh-huh. I mean, look, we all do. But I, I have gotten into the habit of watching a movie like Midsummer, mm-hmm. and then watching a description it. online 
uh, I'm sorry, a uh, like a YouTube video breaking down all of mm-hmm. the symbolism and shit. And that's actually really fun because obviously you catch you catch a couple things, but then you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Every scene like this is like with in during the day and all that shit. I love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of fun. for me, one of the things like I remember I grew up loving sort of like the mainstream horror films, but also like some of the I guess more independent horror films, but not like deep mm-hmm. deep cut. And I, we would rent these horror films, and I, as like a little gay boy with mm. with very little access to actually seeing any like hot peen, mm-hmm. horror was the place that I would turn to to see peen. Yeah. Now, yes, I'm like pseudo jerking off to like a bloody dick, basically. But it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was working for me. You know what I mean? There are uh, some real hunks in '80s horror, really? especially those slasher movies like your Friday the Thirteenth and stuff. They they always had hot guys. And they in them. never manscaped or anything. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. No, so if the, but is there okay? So what then outside of the deep cuts? What is like a mainstream horror film that you're like, you know what? This one might you be must. a big one, but you need to see it. You must. I mean, I love every single Ari Aster movie, except for Bo is Afraid. I was a little bit on the fence about, but yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I love all three Jordan Peele movies. I think he's really excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, can you tell us an Ari Aster movie for Ari Aster is Midsummer Hereditary and Oh, Bo okay, is yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Yep. Um, so I loved all of those. Some more fun ones from recent years that I loved were um I love the new Evil Dead movie. Uh, I thought that was great. I loved um Better Watch Out, which is oh, like a yeah. business slasher. I love mm-hmm. Crawl, which is like an, a hungry alligator attack movie. Oh, yeah. Um, fun, you know who's fun, been doing yeah. great in terms of like, I mean, because I don't know if, if you love international horror. Mm-hmm. I, love it. I, I love it all. I mean, I think that Korea is, South Korea is doing incredible horror films. I mean, yes. on a level that like other people, other countries just aren't because they go, yeah. it's almost like, 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 it's I don't know it's like deep you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean they do a lot of weird stuff with genre that's cool and tone that's like a little bit messy and fun like that monster movie host was so yes. good yes um of course parasite which parasite, is a, parasite's really fun incredible um so yeah they play with genre a lot that or tone and and genre a lot in a way that's fun yeah I did yeah. see Parasite, just so everyone knows. It's oh, uh, a scary, oh, a scary movie. Ego. I feel like today. Elliot isn't saying anything, and I feel bad. I, like I feel oh, like oh the, no, the I, Venn diagram crossover for horror and queerness is like kind of small, which I, I'm experiencing right now because oh. I'm like I have like this queer horror film that I'm doing festivals with, and it's getting into like all of the horror festivals and none of the mainstream queer ones, yeah. which is a little surprising to me. So it's like the horror people yeah. are glad to have a queer movie. But yeah. I had people. that with my documentary. Yeah, the queer people are like, there, there are no erections, honey. I had, yeah. I had that with my documentary too, whereas like all the Jewish documentaries or festivals would take it, but none of the gay ones. And it's like, I'm a literal drag queen. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. weird. Alan, no erections, no what full erections. What do you need from me? Wait, no, Josh, I do want to pivot a little bit because before we go, because yeah, yeah. There's a show that I know you've posted about that I am obsessed with, and I don't feel like enough people are talking about somebody somewhere. HBO. It is just like literally, I think, one of the best written shows on television. So good. Perfect. So I do have this theater background, and it was created by Hannah Boss. Oh, Hannah. Yeah, they created it, and they're this theater company called the Debate Society, which created the best plays I've ever seen in my entire life in New Mm. York. And so they created it. So it's all these, like, downtown theater people that I know from, like, seeing in little plays. and. I'm a mean person. Like my sense of humor, my sense of humor is really mean. Like I like Veep. I like yes. Heathers. I like yes. shit like that. 
So oftentimes if something is like really sentimental and sweet comedy, it doesn't resonate for me. Like I don't really like Ted Lasso because I find it too saccharine yeah, stuff like that. So I'm not the audience for somebody somewhere, but somehow they pull it off so well. And I think it's, it's because it's so truthful and quiet and small, but it's, it's a comedy. It is yeah. funny, but it just, it's it just feels so true. Funny. What I love about it is it like, it shows the banal, depressing aspects of life. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's not like curb your enthusiasm, sticky, banal, depressing aspects of life. It's literally just like, these are just real people who are experiencing real emotions that are also funny. And like, yeah. it's just maybe that's what I'm responding to. Cause I do need comedy to be really angry or sad or yeah. both. And it yeah. is pretty sad. Yeah. It's so good. Josh, where yeah. do people. <sighs> find you on the internet find the podcast bloodhouse pod like where can people mm -hmm. i'm at joshua conkle on twitter instagram and letterboxd if you want to see my film reviews Ooh, and my podcast bloodhouse comes out every monday brent is dying brent actually is dying over there just, don't die. just just sneezing but <laughs> I'm the only one not sick at the end of this podcast. Which yeah. is <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Oh, thanks, thanks, guys. Josh. And another thing. So here's a here's a question that I've I've actually always been extraordinarily conscious about, and I still am. Almost a decade into using Grinder, and sixteen or so years into being an out and proud gay man is it gauche or inappropriate i'm out and proud in quotes as alan said um is it gross or gay or, or gauche or inappropriate to grinder openly in public you don't want to grind in the theater <laughs> i just always i don't care where i am i could be at a coffee shop in los angeles filled with like you know bohemian hipsters or whatever yeah. and i'm still covering my screen and like I, the idea, but then at the at the same time, it's like you know, there's shirtless people on Grinder. Obviously, there are dick pics, but you can avoid seeing those in public. You know when that's coming, usually. Yeah. And like, there's shirtless people on Instagram. Why wouldn't I be afraid to go on Instagram? Yeah, see, I, I mean, think everything's coalesced into the same thing. And while Grinder is technically or was at one point a hookup app, everything Instagram is so sexual and yeah. The, the nature of being on your phone and the sort of the, the proclivities of what you're doing on your phone and having this or having that, like, to me, it's like, it's all sort of coalesced. That being said, I also would not want to be caught doing it. So, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. just as quick to I mean, be. I, I've always, I get it. I get that it can seem embarrassing and stuff. And I think, I mean, I've been embarrassed by opening Instagram and Twitter on in public. Yeah, yeah right. Or yeah. safe apps. So like, there are moments where I'll be like, I mean, even this, and this is just a matter of sort of being a queer person and using my Instagram, but like, I'll be at fucking like Disneyland opening up Instagram and it'll be someone's butt. And it's just sort of like, pubes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll just be like, Ooh, got to move past that real quick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, but it's just, a matter of the world we live in and, and the expo I mean this is why I think the absurdity of sort of like whenever they say like drag queens are grooming kids and stuff it's like no the world is grooming kids like yeah, the world everything is. every internet web every website every app every commercial everything has something that is what we because we can't we're millennial generation and and before we come we be we're, we become accustomed to sort of that the embarrassment of the of the sexual part of us, you know what I mean? Because we did have to come in through a world of we had to come out at a certain age and all of these things. And for the generation under us, 
they don't necessarily have that. So they're not as embarrassed by on Instagram a shirtless yeah. guy or whatever it is. So I don't think it is embarrassing to be on Grinder in public. I actually kind of like, I mean, when I did use Grinder, I, I always kind of loved the game aspect of it being like, oh, I'm in North Hollywood. Let's see what's on out here. And yeah. like, see, you on. used it before you could search globally. You can yeah. search now. Yeah. And I used to, I used to call them grinder vacations. I would drive like 40 miles in you one direction. That. Yes. And if I was like really bored and had like nothing going on that day, I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a grinder vacation. There were times I would take a Xanax. And- we lived by each other that you would, <laughs> you would have me come to your place or you'd come to my place. And I, cause I was your like grinder sponsor. I had to unlock yeah. your phone <laughs> to download grinder so that yeah. then you could drive out to UCLA just to get on fucking grinder. Yeah, you're very you were you were always very kind. <laughs> yeah. I also am always a little embarrassed. This happens to me now a lot more than it used to. I will close my computer and I use like all three browsers for all these like different things and reasons, and I have certain oh passwords God. on some browsers. <laughs> oh my and, God! And so I'll open it imagine. at a co- at a coffee shop, and it'll be like all this like Reddit porn and Twitter dicks and like all that shit, and it's so embarrassing. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah there are. Times. I remember it at work too. Yeah. How you have to kind of like cover your screen. I've had I had that at work when I used to work in an office years ago. This was like yeah. this was like 2012 when I was that was the last time I worked in an office. And it's no still way. even then social media had those moments where like you couldn't you had to be you had to be aware of your phone. But it's sort of like a reality that like I think only impacts our generation. I don't think my yeah. parents are ever embarrassed to open their phone, and I don't think no. kids younger than me are, yeah. are embarrassed to open their phone. It literally is a unique experience for a millennial generation. I think. Yeah, yeah. it does yeah. feel like that. There's a, there's a, I guess there's a, yeah, a taboo to just using the apps or there used to be, but I don't know. I think everything is so hypersexualized now that yeah. one is no different than the other. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of uncomfortable. I will admit sometimes where like. Uh, it's even now, and it has, I mean, you guys know me, I'm very open about everything, but like, there are times where I'm just sort of like, does it really need to be sexual? Like, do we need to always go to the sex? Does like, everything does, have to be sexual? No, the answer is no. No, it doesn't need to be that. It's, well, why don't you blame your employer Instagram for that, Alan? Your employer. <laughs> what, what would your aunt say? What would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? I would like to hear more about the drag queen that shits out apples. <laughs> Wait, we'll that, was, that was on the other episode. Oh, no. Was it? That <laughs> yeah. was on, really? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That was yeah, I don't was, think uh, it was. Well, I'm it keeping was. it because I don't fucking care, and I'm sure no one's listening <laughs> to this point anyway, so there we go. If you want to hear about it, you can listen to our episode with Monet Exchange talking about Thor G. Thor, who was also a guest in this episode. Yeah. A, a past episode. Yeah. My Aunt Joanne would say, a pup, are poppers kosher? <laughs> 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 uh, and I would say, I don't know. Uh, how about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you know, you guys were talking about grinder, and I just kept wondering why you would carry around a pepper grinder. I didn't understand. <laughs> so Almost 250 that. episodes in, and and you still <laughs> think grinder's a pepper grinder. <laughs> Love it. Love Aunt Anne as a friend. <sighs> Only as a friend. <sighs> well, guys, Elliot has to continue doodling, so we're gonna we're gonna sign <laughs> off. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, my name is Brent <clears throat> Sullivan. And I'm the president of this podcast. Good night (laughs) and good luck.